Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Monday edition alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at BB Peacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. It's draft season, Matt. So this is Mock Draft Monday, and we will go through the Draft Network's mock drafts every Monday, talk NFL draft here on the program through April, and uh, they drop a fresh mock every Monday. Today it is Jordan Reed's mock draft, his fifth version of the mock draft. These guys have been going at this thing since the summertime on this 2020 class, so uh, amazing amount of information already there at thedraftnetwork.com. We will look at that mock draft 5.0 today. There's interesting rumors swirling about, and we talked running back prospects Friday with Kyle Krabs, and there's some veteran running backs that might be on the move this offseason. Some marquee names, David Johnson and Todd Gurley, who have big cap numbers, um, not as explosive, not running like they did earlier in their career, potentially. Their teams might be looking to move on there, so we'll get into that. And... Let's start with this, Matt. What do you think? You have time on the side, locked on XFL podcast. <laughs> um, my son was into it this weekend, and it was on near me. And I sat down and watched a quarter or so, and that sounds disrespectful because I am sort of interested. But I got to admit these these side leagues, these expansion leagues, have not grabbed my attention. Have not, you know. I don't look at them as part of my job. If they're on near me, right. okay, fine. If they start to grow in importance, I will recognize them more. But I do think it's cool. You know, I mean, their kickoff rules were interesting. Their go for one, two, or three, I thought was kind of neat. One foot down for a catch, things like that. I, I had some more interest in to see that I probably won't be the one doing it. But some of their rules maybe can filter into the NFL at some point. They got some good ratings, but so did the AAF to start. Uh, AAF last year, the opening game, I think, got 2.9 million viewers. And on ABC, I saw that the opening game got 3.3 million viewers for the XFL, so slightly better. But the AAF crashed and, and burned by the end of their first season, XFL. I mean, people are going to tune in because they're interested. It's football. The NFL season is over. Can they keep that up? Can they keep viewership up uh, I saw a little bit and I didn't see a ton see Saturday apparently were the best games and I saw all kinds of people and people were talking about it I was like hey these games are pretty good they people love the kickoff which I think I would have no problem with the NFL implementing that kickoff system because right now the NFL kickoff is just uh, a waste of time yeah, pretty much <laughs> and and so I tuned into some of the Sunday games and maybe those games weren't as good I just didn't feel as as into it. I, I like some of the elements they're bringing into it. If anything, they're just a guinea pig for some things the NFL can try, but I don't know that I saw something that I think is a minor league viable football league that I will be really excited to tune into every week. Yeah, I, I won't be tuning into it every week unless it just sweeps the world by storm and I feel like I'm not doing my due diligence to keep up with it, but if it's on, fine. If my son's into it, that'd be really cool if he's, you know gets a kick out of it and you know, I looked at it from this perspective. Like the one game I had on, there was Sean Oakman and Sammy Coates were playing. Like guys that were pretty well, you know, thought of coming out of school, yeah. had whatever kind of issues, earlier picks, obvious ability. And my hunch is 
a handful of those guys will put enough tape together that they may save their careers and get a, a shot and make an NFL roster at, at one point. Or certainly a handful of guys will get into get into you know NFL camps and prove that they're really good special teamers, if not more. Or maybe you find a couple kickers. You know the, the league's a little short on kickers right now. Things like that. So. And maybe a quarterback develops. I mean, I, I don't know. I know it's not a developmental league and it's not a minor league system. You can just pluck whoever you want. But obviously the goals of those dudes is to get in the league. It's interesting because there's so many players that their career, even if they showed out in the XFL, you know, what's Matt McGloin going to do in the NFL at this point going forward, right? right? It's it's too late for him to, to go be a starting quarterback in the NFL and have some Cinderella story, most likely. And one of the problems with future NFL players that might be playing in this league. And we saw it last year. There was a guy, Daniel Brunskill, that the 49ers ended up with that ended up starting games for Joe Staley and did a really good job. And he's a starting caliber offensive lineman. I think he could end up being a starting guard for the 49ers next season, depending on what happens in free agency and, and during the offseason. But there was no reason to watch Daniel Brunskill during the AAF games. You find out about him later. So that's one of the problems. It, I think they really need to have some sort of an affiliation. So, a team that is, say, a Miami Dolphins fan can go watch and say, oh, these are the players that are connected to the Miami Dolphins. Let's watch these guys and see if they can make the 53rd man on the roster. See if we have a special teamer here or there, a kick return guy. You know, give incentivize current NFL fans an extra reason to watch. Some, of, some sort of an affiliation it doesn't have to be everybody in the league is affiliated, but allow teams to be connected to it. And I would have liked to have seen that from the AAF. I would like to see if the XFL and NFL could get together. I don't think those leagues are necessarily um, tight like that. Maybe they can get there if the XFL does survive. But the idea of minor league offseason football, I like, but I need a reason to tune in. Yeah, and from my experience, I mean, the year I put in with the Browns, one of my jobs was I was in, I was our guy in charge of the Canadian Football League. And I wrote reports for like the top 10 or 12 guys and I don't think anyone ever read them because we all got fired. So, oh, well. But, you know, I saw some value in that. And it's a similar situation. I don't know that you and I have had this conversation. But if I was made king of the world, the first thing I would do is create an NFL minor league. You know, every team would have yeah. a minor league team. And somebody smarter than me would figure out how to make that all work. But kind of like you said, it would be like hockey or, or baseball where – they would be the baby dolphins, and you could watch these guys. And there'd be some Crash Davises in there that are lifers, but there would also be, boy, this 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 guard's really playing well. We'll call him up to the majors next year. You know, it'd give you a little more rooting interest. And you know, my Steeler minor league team could play at WVU. The Eagles one could play at State College. Whatever. But that's a much bigger story for a much different situation. But these leagues to me are fine. But again, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Who do you care about? <laughs> you know? Yep, exactly. And there's so many practice squad guys, young players that need reps, that can't get reps on the field during the season. That would be so valuable in the offseason. Right. You see a ton of teams. Every team just signed a dozen guys to futures contracts over the last few weeks, right? Those guys should yeah. be out there playing, getting reps on the field. And maybe they're in the wrong system in this in this league, but it can be a simplified system, get these guys reps on the field, because that's what a lot of these young players need. That would... I would definitely tune into something like that if there was there was a reason that you were going to see a lot more of these players fighting in training camp for an NFL job. 
Yeah, and then you develop refs that way. You develop young coaches that way. You try new rules. You know, like it's a, it's a breeding ground for a lot of different things. And I know it's harder than it is in hockey and baseball and all those things, but I still think it could be very viable. And then you get, you get players that can't play college ball. Maybe they're ineligible. Maybe they don't want to right. go play college football. Then you have these stud 18-year-old guys that can hang, and you could see someone that's like a, a really high draftable player instead of people who are training camp fodder on the field. That would be like crazy intriguing because 18-year-olds go play minor league hockey and minor league baseball all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how you would open, keep that door sort of open, sort of closed, you know, because a lot of those guys blow off college because they can if you're, you know, LeBron or, you know, Sidney right. Cosby or some superstar <laughs> coming out and you're going to be an early pick. But yeah, I, I'm with you because there are a lot of good football players that have to go the JC route or not at all because they don't have grades or some of them just their high school coach doesn't promote them properly. You know, I mean, stupid stuff like that. Or their parents don't know, and you know this guy's a recruitable player, or whatever it is. But I, I am very smitten with a, a minor league system. All these other leagues to me are fine, great. Some guys will pop up, and maybe a Kurt Warner emerges somehow. But um, I still think they're not doing it right. Yeah, one of the tough things too is they wanted to put these XFL teams in big markets, and it's like, well, they already have teams that they root for in those cities right. I, I, it makes more sense if they were in portland and san antonio instead of dallas exactly. and la and seattle exactly. all right let's move on let's talk nfl the the real league the important league the players we know the players we love and uh the the arizona cardinals and the los angeles rams might have a couple of players that a lot of fans love moving on this offseason let's see the viability with todd Gurley and david johnson being traded or cut coming up next Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On. To try it free, BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. We will get into the latest... Draft Network Mock Draft. It's 5.0 from Jordan Reed. And uh, there's some interesting players to talk about, obviously, when it comes to the NFL Draft and Mock Draft. And we've got the Combine coming up. A couple of veterans, though. Let's start with Todd Gurley. Okay. And essentially, they can't cut Todd Gurley because it's a $25 million cap hit. And there was an Ian Rappaport report, or maybe it was an NFL Network. Maybe it was um, oh, maybe somebody else on NFL Network. Anyway, it was an NFL Network report that... Todd Gurley could get cut or traded this offseason. 
the cut part doesn't make any sense. You can't take a $25 million cap hit. The trade part, and I'll put this question to you this way. You, I'm the Rams. I'm less Sneed. I don't have quite that great of hair. I've got I've got solid hair game, Matt. I don't have less <laughs> Sneed hair. You're the GM from another team. We're on the phone talking about Todd Gurley. The The Rams take a $12 million cap hit, but they would overall still end up saving $4.5 million if it was a trade versus um, uh, a cut of Todd Gurley. You're taking on Todd Gurley. You're taking on the 2020 salary of $5 million. 21 is $4 million. 22 is $5 million, and 23 is $6.5 million. So all he signed through 2023, those are the base salaries, which don't mean anything. You could cut those and, and cut your losses. So here's the reason why trading Gurley and cutting him is so different, because he has $5 million roster bonuses coming up in each offseason. He's got a $7.5 million roster bonus coming up this season, and then in 21, 22, and 2023, he's got $5 million roster bonus in each one of those seasons, which would go to the team that you are in charge of, Matt, would you take on that contract for Todd Gurley? And if you would take on that contract, what would you be willing to give the Rams in a trade? Not in a million years. <laughs> I mean, this is, there's a lot here to talk about because there's a couple themes about this one that we've discussed over the years in that the Rams are built, in, in my impression, in, or in my opinion, very top heavy. You know, that the market they live in wants star power. They want the Showtime Lakers. They want Worthy, Magic, Kareem. And so they're a very top-heavy roster selling jerseys of brand-name guys and trading for Ramsey and bringing in Sue and got, you know, huge-name players year after year and not really having a middle class. And keeping Gurley was along those lines. I mean, the same logic of roster building. And we've often talked about another theme is, do you draft running backs high? Obviously, the Rams didn't you know, have problems drafting him high. You know, They got a lot out of him. They got to a Super Bowl. He was an MVP type of back for a couple of years. But where the, the problem is, is, as you and I have talked about, is giving them the second deal is where you, you usually get burnt with these big name, high volume running backs. And the thing the Rams did, which brings me back to their method of team building that I just didn't understand is they negotiated and gave him this deal a year earlier than they had to. So if this, you know, would would he have gotten that same deal last offseason as opposed to two offseasons ago? No chance. I mean, I can't really comment on his injuries, but he had bad knees coming out of school. We saw C.J. Anderson take over for him down the stretch run. They drafted Darrell Henderson. I don't care what comes out of their mouth. Their actions show and his workload and his tape shows that he's no longer a special player, but now he's an expensive non-special player. I, who on earth is going to trade for him? I totally agree there. And he's still only 26 years old. That's the crazy right. part. He's one of the oldest 26-year-olds in the league as far, as far as body and wear and tear goes. And that's the problem with running backs because the tread on that tires is very thin by the time they even get into the NFL after being workhorses in the college game. And, of course, Girdley had that big knee injury in college as well. And you can't have a running back who currently Todd Gurley in 2020 would take up 8.6% of your salary cap. And if you're going to nope. have big money players at quarterback, which most teams hope they can, they, they hope they're, they have to pay a, a great quarterback, right? And we'll see what Jared Goff is, and, and it's arguable how good of a quarterback he is, but former number one overall pick, got to pay him a lot of money. You have Jalen Ramsey now that you just traded draft picks for, so it's hard to replenish 
the depth on your team because you don't have as many draft picks now, but you have to pay that talent. So you have to pay a ton of guys. You can't pay a running back eight or nine percent of your salary cap. Five years in a row, they're not going to have a first round pick. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, crazy. they've been good and they have great players, but between Goff and Gurley, that might sink them. And they can't cut them unless, I mean, if they can find it, it would be. They would have to cut so many players just to get under the cap, just to be able to cut Gurley and then right, next right. year reset this whole thing and have something to work with cap wise next offseason. You mentioned the lack of first round draft picks. So the only option they have is really to take their medicine or hope Gurley bounces back because I don't think they're going to find a trade partner unless a team is really hard up for a running back and has a ton of cap space and is willing to give them a just, you know, it'd probably be just a day three pick anyway, a fifth rounder. I mean, what what would they even expect for Todd Gurley at this point with the money that a team has to take on with where he's at physically? It's just, it seems like Gurley is going to be a Los Angeles Ram no matter what. Yeah, and you kind of did mention it and it dawned on me, maybe... I don't want to compare him to the Brock Osweiler to the Browns for a second round pick trade where, you know, the Browns actually took the pick to take the player like an NBA type deal. But maybe that's the only situation. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that aren't going to get come close to their to maxing out their cap. And maybe they say, give me Gurley in a fourth and we'll take him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be an interesting scenario, and that's certainly possible if a team. The problem is that How about the Colts, they have a ton of cap space. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's true. They can use Todd Gurley, mix him in with Marlon Mack. Those roster burn bonuses is what really hurts because if it was just a situation where you could take Todd Gurley and the Rams took a hit to trade him, and then you have Todd Gurley, but the the salary cap hit is already done, mm-hmm. then. That would be fine because you'd be like, oh, well, in a couple of years, you know, we got something out of this in a couple of years. We can cut Todd Gurley for nothing. But you have those roster bonuses all the way through 2023 that makes it more difficult and will make that cap hit for the new team if they want to cut him later. So that's another thing to think about with the way this contract was structured. David Johnson is really in a similar boat here. He's in a worse spot physically, I think, than Todd Gurley. There were games last season when I saw Todd Gurley. I was like, okay, Todd Gurley's moving okay. I mean, he might have some yeah, chronic knee problems back, and he might have to miss games. But David Johnson lacked the burst that he used to have. And he's a big back. And when you, I mean, he was a special back the way he could move and the way he could run and the way he could catch out of the backfield. At this point, he's more of a plodding looking runner. And, he, and again, a big contract. This is a tough one to move. And I just don't see it working out. If the Cardinals cut, David Johnson, a $16 million cap hit. He's 29 years old. He's only signed through 2021, so it's not as long-term of a deal for David Johnson. But do the Cardinals just take that $16 million cap hit to cut David Johnson? They wouldn't save any money on the cap at all. I mean, it would hurt your cap situation just to lose a guy, so why not just keep him around and see what you have in him? And if you trade him, that's much better for the Cardinals. They would save about $8.25 million dollars on their salary cap, but again, who trades for yeah. David Johnson right, right now? I, I mean, my take on David Johnson is this, is when he came out of school, I missed on him. I didn't think he was a very good player. I, I thought he was an okay prospect. I really did respect his receiving skills. Fine. I didn't like his style of running. I was wrong about him. Obviously, he grew on me over the years, and I thought there was a point where him and Lev Bell – we're changing the position because they were 220, 230, great receivers, running you know, wide out routes, getting the ball in every way, shape, or form. And then injury set in, and 
you know, he, he, Kingsbury takes over there. And to pull back the curtain, you know, I my, my main fantasy draft, I was picking eighth. I grabbed David Johnson, and I said, he's going to catch 100 balls in this system. You know, I mean, I don't care if they ever hand it to him. I don't care if his blocking's bad. They're going to dump it to him left and right. He's going to catch a million balls, and they're going to throw like crazy. And once again, I was wrong on him. <laughs> you know, I mean, and like to your point, injuries, um, when he came back midseason, he looked like he was running in quicksand. The Even his good games to start the season weren't pretty. I mean, I wonder if he's done or if I wonder if he's just going to be a specialist third down back and maybe Bruce Arians wants him again in Tampa or something. But he has very little value, too. The Cardinals themselves tell you about how they thought about David Johnson because they traded for sure. Kenyon Drake and they weren't a team that was going to go win anything and they went to get a new running back. <laughs> Drake had they, an expiring contract. Right. So that tells you <laughs> right on the wall. what they thought of David Johnson there. So those are tough situations that I, I can't really see any teams wanting to give up anything of value to bring those running backs on maybe a little bit more hope just because Todd Gurley's a little bit younger. Sizzle of being a guy who was a top 10 draft pick and such a stud player. Maybe there's still something to salvage there and they can find someone to take on that contract in a trade, but don't pay running backs. <laughs> you just you don't need right. to, so don't do it. That's that's my advice to NFL teams. And it's the truck versus trailer conversation too, because running backs can't drive your offense if there's no offensive line. If you don't have a quarterback, you're still gonna be right. bad anyway. I look at the New York Giants, they hit on a, a really talented running back. That doesn't help them win any games. So No, right. Yeah. And in the end, Gurley and Johnson are if for being nice, probably on the back nine of their career, they may be on hole 16 or 17. It's crazy, too, to talk about a 26-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I was a child when I was 26 years old. I was like a, the, an immature child, basically, to think that, oh, well, the, your career's over. I was barely getting That's into right. a career at that point. Uh, the, <laughs> right. It's nuts that for a running back in the NFL. All right, let's talk mock draft. Sensing a theme in 2020 with these mock drafts, Matt, and I don't, I would be willing to bet money. And I'm waiting for some people to just be like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to be the guy who throws a wrench and, and, and makes some crazy mock draft at the top. But it's Joe Burrow Bengals one, Chase Young Redskins two. And if there's no trade at three, it's Jeffrey Okuda every time to the Lions. And that's what, Jeff, uh, that's what Jordan Reed ha- here has for his latest 2020 mock draft. And... I, I, it's hard to see. I mean, three gets a little bit more difficult, but one and two, it's Burrow and it's Chase Young, unless there's some crazy trade, right? I mean, I can't see anything else happening with those two picks. Yeah, I mean, maybe the combine changes our opinion. I mean, I wrote something briefly, right? You know, talking about the Redskins offseason, saying this is how it's going to go, but they don't have an, they, they they traded their second round pick for Montez Sweat basically last year, so that early two they don't have. If I were them, I'd at least field phone calls. I mean, if you're going to give me an RG three type of deal. New coach in town, team needs everything. I would at least listen to calls. But for the sake of mock drafting and no trades, we should probably just brush over the top four or five because <laughs> yeah. really they are very chalky. And I don't think it'll go that way when it's all said and done. I, I don't think, as we talked about with Kyle, I don't think Tua gets to five in the real world if his if his health is close to being, you know, not a red flag. And somebody might trade up for Herbert too. So I don't think it'll go this way. But if you have to keep it without trades, Akuda at three makes absolute sense. And then at four, it almost has to be your offensive tackle of choice or the linebacker from Clemson. Um, what's it, Why can't I remember his name off the top of my head? Uh, Isaiah Simmons. Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. I mean, that would make some sense too. 
But again, those are all pretty chalky. And and what's kind of funny, and we know the world's not going to go this way, but there's other portions of this draft where there's it sure looks like a run of wide receivers right in this spot, a run of t- a tackles in this spot. So I hate to throw cold water on this exercise because we're going to talk about a lot of mock drafts, but I think a lot of them are going to be pretty similar in the top half of round one, let alone the top five. And it just never goes like you think. The NFL draft no, is insane. Won't. You can't get in the minds of 32 different teams and 32 different scouting departments and GMs. Some people just have a wildly different view of things, and you get into a groupthink mindset. I think one of the most common picks I've seen is the Cardinals taking a wide receiver, and usually it's either Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb for the Cardinals at number eight. They just drafted three wide receivers last year. Larry Fitzgerald coming back, uh, a nice season from Christian Kirk. I don't see that as a as a need for I mean, I know a lot of those guys aren't big name, number one type wide receivers. Fitz isn't anymore. Christian Kirk, probably not getting enough credit, but you wouldn't put him in the category of, you know, elite top caliber wide receivers in the NFL. The other guys are are more depth pieces that they drafted at wide receiver, most likely. But, man, they need help on the offensive line. They need help on defense if they're going to be a good football team. I think wide receiver, if it's a slam dunk, far and away, best player on your board scenario, I get it. But... That's the pick that I see a lot that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I like C.D. Lamb a lot. I like Jerry Judy a lot. I have no problem with the team picking him at eight. But if I'm the Cardinals, I need to build out the rest of my football team. I'm looking defense. I'm looking offensive line. Yeah, that, that's a good one to start here because I think if Derek Brown gets to eight, that's a conversation as a stud defensive tackle. A lot of people have him going to the Panthers as in the same in this mock. But you're right. Every mock you see at eight is either a tackle, which to your point makes absolute perfect sense, Lamb or Judy. From what I've seen in the draft, and, you know, again, I'm not totally, you know, wrapped up by any means. I do think Lamb and Judy are better prospects at their respective positions than some of the tackles going in that neighborhood. More sure bets of the Werfs or somebody like that or Becton, somebody like that. But the Cardinals, with that early second-round pick, are going to have tons of receivers to pick from if that's the direction they want to go. Tackle, then receiver makes more sense. And I think people might be overestimating the, we're going to go four wide, you know, uh, Kingsbury attack, because that's what they planned on doing. But as he learned the NFL and realized what he had, there was a lot more tight ends on the field. It was more three wide. I mean, I don't know that you're going to see Drake or whomever running back in four wide, a high percentage of snaps. I totally agree. And that was one of the reasons I was really impressed with Cliff Kingsbury because he yeah. figured that out pretty quickly. And he can utilize some of those things. You can go four wide. You can spread it out when it works for you. But they're going to go three wide. They're going to have a tight end on the field. They yeah. may never really have a, a, t- a fullback situation. But I, I think that it's overblown that they're just going to run out there with a basketball team and five wide receivers and and, and try to – do that on you because it's never worked in the NFL. I don't know if it's going to work now, even if it's inching in that direction. Cliff Kingsbury, to his credit, figured that out very quickly. And the wide receiver, the wide receiver thing, the number of wide receivers they need, I think a little bit overblown. And I would like to see the guys they do have develop. Maybe they could draft one later because it's a deep wide receiver class as well as being a pretty top heavy with some really nice first round type receivers. So Cardinals is interesting. I think the wide receiver that I've seen almost every mock draft, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And uh, to your point, too, they did draft Isabella in the second and Hakeem Butler in the fourth, both of whom they got very little out of Butler because of injury. I was a big Butler fan. So it's not like 
they haven't you know looked at the young young receivers since they took over. So, I mean, if CD Lamb or Judy, which both of whom are super impressive, are just too good to pass up, fine. But I don't think you just say best receiver available at eight. A last one, really quick. We have about a minute left here. Okay. Jordan Love to the Colts at thirteen, which is one of the higher places I've seen Jordan Love, and I see him a lot in the second round. He's the one that I can't get a feel for. I don't know how teams are going to like Jordan Love, if they're going to see the the tools and say, let's go for it, or if they're going to be scared off by Jordan Love and uh, his, his season wasn't great last year. You tend to think that he's going to go high, right? I see him in the second round of mock drafts a lot too. I mean, that's a wildly different scenario, mid-second versus top 15. Right. Oh, you're right. And I think he... Sure benefits from what Mahomes is doing. I mean, I'm not saying he's Mahomes, but he's the roller coaster of this draft that has obvious massive tools, low, high ceiling, low floor quarterback prospect that people might roll the dice on and say, look at Lamar and Mahomes. Maybe he can be the next one. And I absolutely think it's noteworthy that I know he had a, a bad year this past year, but he had a new offensive system. And I think they returned one other starter than love on offense. I mean, at Utah State. It's not Ohio State. Right. So yeah. I, I give him a pass there, and I am interested. I'm not sure that Phillip Rivers doesn't end up in Indy, but this would make some sense for the Colts in that I mentioned the Montez Sweat situation earlier. Well, the Colts have that early second pick. They have a, a wealth of day two picks. They have a ton of cap space. So by the time the draft rolls around, they may already have a number one. They may have signed Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? They may have addressed some serious needs and think, okay, we got a bunch of seconds and thirds. We'll take the luxury pick, roll the dice on a high upside quarterback, and he can be there with Jacoby and or Rivers. And if he doesn't hit, it doesn't hurt us that bad. 2019 versus 2018 tape versus mm-hmm. Senior Bowl. So that's uh, he's such an interesting evaluation I think for me and then of course the Colts is another situation altogether Jacoby Brissett do you bring in a veteran there with Brissett do you go with the young guy I don't know what to expect by the Colts I don't know how uh how dug in they are on Jacoby Brissett yeah I, see I'm a, I'm still sort of a Jacoby Brissett apologist and I tend to think that if somebody like Kinlaw the defensive tackle from South Carolina was there they would just turn the card in for one of those no-brainer win now types but if the offseason goes like I described and, you know, you you have all these other picks, why not roll the dice there and with the intention of love can sit for a year and we'll see what happens down the road. And they will be in a spot where in this mock draft, actually, Isaiah Simmons falls to 12. So one pick right in front of the Raiders. If you're sitting there at 13 and you're the Colts and you're like, oh, man, if we can get a stud player like Isaiah Simmons or. Uh, Kinlaw or Derek Brown or you know somebody falls mm-hmm. to us here maybe we can wait and see if Jordan Love even though we like him can get toward our second round pick or maybe move up for that quarterback but then if not if all the stud players are gone it's like well we don't expect him to be around at our next pick let's just go with the quarterback now and it ha- this regime hasn't handled things that way but if they were to do it take this approach in the offseason of let's put Phillip Rivers behind a really good O-line we're mostly a trade down type team but maybe we go up and get Brown at seven or eight and you know use some of our second round picks and not worry about prospects and long-term building. We've done a lot of that over the last couple of years. Let's go get a stud defensive tackle to really complete things. That wouldn't shock me either. So to your point, I mean, I think the Colts are a real interesting wild card type team that could go a lot of different directions and will look much differently 
when the draft rolls around than they do now. Absolutely. All right. It's going to be fun. We'll check in on these mock drafts every Monday right here. Locked on NFL. Matt, we're going to talk turnovers this week. We're going to talk with some other guests, get more team specific, talk team needs as we move along in this offseason as well. So it should be a fun offseason. And we'll be with you every day right here. Locked on NFL.